The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Overtime Open Line is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed, Reed Wilkins, Wilkins on, on Oilers, Oilers Radio, Radio. 630 Chad. So before we talk about this hockey game tonight, which has the Edmonton Oilers losing 3-2 to Vancouver, I do want to update everybody on, on a pretty serious situation that has happened tonight near Commonwealth Stadium. This is on 107th A Avenue, 92nd, 93rd Street in that area, and an Edmonton Police Service special duty member was stabbed. Uh, this happened tonight. Police saying the suspect fled on foot after ramming a police vehicle, and the suspect is still at large. Um, the EPS Air One helicopter obviously has been patrolling the area. If you happen to be listening to us as you're leaving the football game in your car, or, or maybe you're waiting for somebody to get home from the football game, or you're just driving in that area of town, uh, first of all, if you are planning to go for the, to that area for some reason, I, I would suggest to avoid it. And if you are leaving that area, please be patient, respect that there is an investigation going on for a very serious incident. I have seen that Edmonton Transit says that uh, service from Commonwealth Stadium will operate as usual. And it looks like people are being allowed into their vehicles and being able to leave that neighborhood. I know there was some uh, chatter earlier that perhaps people wouldn't even be able to get their cars out of there. It looks like they are, but if if for some reason you are in your vehicle near Commonwealth Stadium and wondering what is going on, well, that's what uh, has happened. Unfortunately, an EPS special duty member stabbed earlier this evening, and uh, the suspect is still at large. Obviously, we'll keep you updated here on 630Ched and on 630Ched.com. Okay, so obviously discussion of the game uh, pales in comparison to the importance of that, but we will talk about the hockey game this evening. The Oilers end the preseason with a 3-2 loss to the Vancouver Canucks. Also, the Edmonton Eskimos lose their sixth in a row, 28-19 to Winnipeg. The Eskimos behind all night, they trailed by two with two and a half minutes to go. Mike Riley was intercepted and returned for a touchdown. My name is Reed Wilkins. Rob Brown is here as well. It is 10.58. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. So Leon Dreisaitl scores both goals for the Oilers tonight, Rob. He and McDavid reunited on a line with Patrick Maroon. One of the two goals did come on a power play, but... I mean, look, you, you expect them to be dangerous, and they met those expectations tonight. Yeah, they, they get excited when they play with each other. They, they both read the game the same way. They both have the ability to make the plays that most players can't, and, and we saw that tonight. They were dominant when they were on the ice. They scored the two goals, could have had a couple more as well. The problem for the Oilers is when they weren't on the ice, the Oilers were not as good a hockey club. So uh, it, it's a tough situation for the coaching staff. They, they got two guys... Uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl that play so well together and produce at, at such a good clip. But when you keep them together, the, the other lines just don't generate enough. And I think that's on and coming on the other lines to become better, to produce more. But you got to see what they're going to do for Wednesday's game against the Calgary Flames. If you keep two players together that are very good, or you try to separate them like everyone's been talking about for the last year. I thought also tonight the, the Oilers might make a good play. I mean, certainly the goals by Dreisaitl were really good goals. 
And and yet when it seemed they had something going, I mean the Oilers might have made some of the best plays in the game tonight, mm-hmm. but they also made some of the worst. A couple sloppy plays leading to turnovers and chances or goals for the Canucks, some untimely penalties when it looked like the Oilers might be having some momentum and it looked like they were going to get a power play in the third and uh, then Kajula gets called for the double minor for the high stick. So instead of on the power play, they're killing one. So sort of that game where you, whenever you thought the Oilers had something going, then they did something sloppy. Oh, they did, and it's exhibition season. If you're going to have sloppy, have it now, don't have it on Wednesday. And there's always going to be mistakes. The Vancouver Canucks were good tonight at capitalizing on the big mistakes, and the two big mistakes were one by Darnell Nurse, who got beat in his own end in a battle, and Griba compounded the, the mistake by Nurse by going behind the net, which allowed his man to be... For, for, uh, who was it, Vertan- Vertanen or Vertanen? Vertanen got the first yeah, goal. Yeah, so he's by himself in front, and that's Grive's guy. And then the second mistake was by Matthew Benning on the power play. Uh, the easy play and the smart play would have been to put the puck back down the boards. He tries to make a little higher risk play going through the middle of the ice. He fans on it, which happens, but there's he's the last guy high, so he can't afford to make that play, and it's a breakaway for Granlin. He makes no mistake, and that really turned the game. The others are on the power play, can extend their lead, and instead uh, they they give up the, the shorty, and all of a sudden it's a 2-2 game in Vancouver as life. So uh, two huge mistakes that Vancouver capitalized on, and the others really did not get enough out of their second and third lines offensively. All right, so 3-2, the Canucks take it. Um, a lot of speculation about what's going to happen here with uh, the lineup. Jesse Puglia-Yarvi, did he... T- make the most of this opportunity tonight. Wasn't expected to play, got in when Slepyshev was, uh, we believe he was too ill to play before the game. Uh, you know, he's in a tough situation because he's a guy that when he's going to play in the National Hockey League, he's going to be a top six forward. He was playing on the, the fourth line. Got a couple shifts here and there when he moved up in the lineup. Uh, a couple sloppy plays with the puck on his stick in, in his own zone. He was fine. Yeah, I, 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 I think he needed to hit a home run or a triple in this game. To, to be able to, to be in Wednesday's game against Calgary. And tonight, I think he just had a, an average game, and I don't think that's going to propel him up into the starting lineup. All right, 780-496-0063. You can also text 63630. We have Terry on the line to start off the calls tonight. Hey, Terry. You know, Rob Reed, I'm so sorry to hear about that officer, that EPS officer. That's just kind of just a downer. Uh, Terry Turnabai, by the way. Um, I guess... My observations, I watched the hockey game. And, uh, you know, obviously Dreisaitl and McDavid, they did their usual thing. They were, you know, very good. And they had some help. Not not a whole lot, but they had some. Uh, I guess the guy, if I was picking uh, nits or something, um, Darnell Nurse is not doing anything for me. Um, I've been watching him for a few years now, and I don't see him... Uh, if anything, is it's regression, not even improving at all. It's uh, kind of sad. I, I think that Oiler management maybe is uh, keeping him along because um, uh, it was such a high draft pick. But beyond that, um, I'm, I'm befuddled with that one. Well, the, there's nothing else in the Oilers organization that is as good as Darnell Nurse. He's still a young kid. Um, he he's a guy right now just playing in the third pairing. The expectations aren't 
high, and I don't think they're they're putting too much pressure on him. They they're they're hoping he still moves along. I I do believe he is a better defenseman now than he was a couple of years ago. I think the expectations is a high draft pick. The people were thinking, oh, he's going to bring some offense. He's going to be a guy to carry the load. I don't know if that's in his DNA, but I th- I think. When you saw what he did a couple of years ago, he'd be running out of position to make the hit. He'd be trying to lead a rush in a tough situation and lose the puck. He plays a much safer game, and I think he needs to when you're playing in a third pairing with Eric Gribas. So I think the expectations were high for him, but I think he'll be a just... I think he will be a good NHL defenseman, just not what everyone had expected because of where his draft pick was. All right, 3-2 Vancouver winning it tonight. They get goals from Vertanen, Grandlin, and Erickson. Dreisaitl both for the Oilers. McDavid, two assists. Maroon and Latestu also uh, had helpers tonight. I think from a depth perspective, Rob, if it was a very uneven game for the Oilers. I actually thought, you know, Jujar Kerr is going to be the fourth line left winger on the team he actually winds up minus two played almost 11 minutes but I, but I thought he had a relatively effective game given his role I, I, I thought he played well the minus two and this is one of the dumb things about plus minus the one minus was when Matt Benning gave the puck away at the blue line Kara is the guy that stands in front of that has nothing to do with it and the other one was when Darnell Nurse gave the puck away in his own zone again Jajar had nothing to do with that so the I don't look at that I thought I thought he played well he understands his role he's physical he plays with a little bit of nastiness we saw him fight earlier in the preseason um I think he with Latestu and Cassian are going to become a very effective fourth line for the Oilers they've got speed they got physicality uh they all have a little bit of hands that if given the opportunity they could put the puck in the net uh, and we've seen Kara also get thrown in to be a penalty killer, which I think is going to make him a much more effective and valuable player. Yeah, played two twelve shorthanded tonight. Both teams went one for five on the power play. However, uh, Vancouver got a shorthanded goal that tied the game in the second period. Louis Erickson scored quite a goal. I mean, you actually got to see the replay to appreciate it. it. Turned out to be the game winner. Yeah, it was a nice, nice goal. I mean, Louis Erickson was a big signing by the Vancouver Canucks. Came over last year and did not do what they expected from him and and bit of a down year for him but tonight he showed what he's capable of doing standing beside the net and the, power, the puck gets bounced him on the power play he grabs it out of the air throws it down and as the puck is still going to the ground he hits bats the puck into the net uh, a very pretty goal and I believe that turned out to be the game winning goal for the Vancouver Canucks so uh, they need a lot more out of that from Louis Erickson this year but uh, a talented player scoring a very talented goal all right, so 3-2 Vancouver. This is going to be a, a little bit of a different uh, overtime open line edition because we will talk a little bit about the Eskimos game as well. And, and there is uh, a pretty major news story going on in the city of Edmonton right near Commonwealth Stadium. And I'm just keeping an eye on Twitter for some updates. Uh, an Edmonton police uh, service officer has been stabbed tonight. Uh, apparently it was around 8.15 a.m., very close to Commonwealth, around 92nd Street and 107A Avenue. The suspect is, uh, is at large, and I'm just seeing now uh, that the officer is in stable condition. And traffic around Commonwealth Stadium will obviously be slow, so be patient if you, if you are driving there. 780-496-0063. We have Alex on the line. Alex, thank you for calling. Thank you for having me on. Uh, yeah, you know, just watching the game tonight, and... Uh you know, hearing uh, the coach talk about, uh, you know, expectations on this team and how they're going to deploy Dwight and uh, McDavid, 
I just think, you know, how key uh, uh, Nugent Hopkins is going to be this year because uh, uh, if he can't drive that second line, Nugent Hopkins, and obviously Dreisaitl has to go there because tonight was a pretty good example of, and I know it's preseason, but, you know, they had one line going, that was it. And, yeah, I mean, uh, Nurse looked shaky back there in Benning, but, yeah, the p- two pretty big mistakes, and but I'm sure the coach is going to get after him. But uh, I have a comment, though. Uh, because, uh, you know, it seemed like last year we had this depth on defense, and now we don't. Sakara was a big injury, and and uh, do you expect maybe possibly a trade coming here uh, after the first three weeks, depending on what happens in the standings? Oh, that's a good question. Thanks, Alex. I mean, I, I think, sure, if the Oilers started really poorly, then, then maybe you'd look at somebody. I, here's the thing, though. I, I don't think you're going to trade for somebody who's going to replace Andre Sekera. Now they they could acquire a guy or look on the waivers waiver wire for somebody who could be a five six seven. Um, the, you know, fair question. I, I think they'll roll into the season with the defense they have and see how it hangs holds up against NHL competition. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's a that's a that's a good question by by Alex. But there's a few what ifs I think there that would have to come true first. Yeah, I agree because you're not going to give up something good to get uh, a player of uh, of better caliber. And then when Sakura comes back, now where are you going to put that player? So I, I I think that the injury to Stanton has handicapped the U.S. a little bit because I think he was going to be a guy that was going to push for, for some playing time in the 6-7 the role, and they really haven't got a chance to see him because of his injury. Um, I, losing Sakura, it, it hurts. Any team that loses one of their top defensemen for an extended period of time is... It, it's it sets them back, and there's players that are going to get an opportunity. And Benning and Nurse are two of the guys that are going to get an opportunity to play a little extra ice time, get a little bit of power play time, get some top four minutes, and hopefully they'll be able to get it done. I agree also with the Ryan Nugent Hopkins. He has to, he has to be able to drive a line, yeah. just simply because you want to have the luxury of being able to put dry settle with McDavid anytime you want especially in games where they need a little jump start, but you got to have faith that you've got a second and or a third line that can create offensively. And tonight, we didn't see it. Again, exhibition only, but it also we saw last year that RNH did not have a great season. He's looking for a bounce back. Well, and I, and I think that's a storyline for me going into the season, regardless of the outcome tonight, even yep. if the Oilers had gone out and won 7-1 tonight. I, I, I think they're going to be a good hockey team. I don't see any reason for them not to be in the neighborhood of how they did last year. But for them to elevate, and I mean, you know, you you look, can look at the Vegas odds, some of the preseason predictions, can they go to the cup final, can they go to the Western final? For that to happen a long way down the road, and for them to have a really, really good or excellent regular season, they're going to have to have depth scoring. Now, we always talk about depth scoring. I think last year they had good depth scoring. I, I mean, I know... There was some criticism for Lucic, Everly. I mean, they still had a few guys around 45 to 50 points, which is pretty respectable. Certainly, Latestu's year helped. Uh, but for them to really elevate, they're, they're, they're going to need very good or excellent depth scoring. So if Dreisaitl and McDavid are, again, whatever, pick a number between 75 and 110, I guess, for, for, for I mean, Dreisaitl somewhere 75 to 85, McDavid, who knows what the limit is. But you're going to have to have some guys you know, probably approach around 60 or somebody else step up for a 20-25 goal season that, that's not on one of those lines or that or that isn't 
isn't named McDavid or Dreisaitl because I think if we're talking about the team, you know, like separating from the pack and being a top five regular season team, I think that's how it's going to have to happen. Well, I agree. I mean, you, you lost uh, Everly's 20 goals and he's normally a 28 to 29 goal scorer and he's gone out of the lineup. Someone's going to have to come up and, and be able to jump into that spot. I honestly don't know if the Oilers are going to be as good in the regular season as they were last year because they were they were healthy. They were healthy the whole season last year. None of their star players missed any significant time, and they're starting already with one of their best defensemen out till who, who knows when. So I think it's going to be a struggle that way for them to be as great as they were last year in the regular season. They do need players to step up, and that's why Yamamoto has come in here and is probably going to play in Wednesday's game against the Calgary Flames because he's outplayed other players on the team. There's, this is a big year for a few players for me. RNH has to have a big season. You know, this is what his seventh year now, Reed, for RNH. He needs to to be a guy that drives the line, and especially if Drysaddle plays on the top line. Strom, another guy who's underachieved with Long with Long Island. He's coming here. He's given a chance. And tonight he played center. He'll either play on your second line, your third line. He'll get some looks at the first line at times too. But they need him to contribute. They don't need him just to be a fringe player. They need him to be a guy yep. that's going to score 20, 25 goals if he's playing on your second line. So those are guys that need to have big seasons. And they're going to be guys you're going to be watched closely because it can't always be the Connor and Leon show. There's going to be nights that the puck doesn't balance for them. Other guys have got to be able to win some hockey games. Canucks win it 3-2 tonight. Uh, Randy in Calgary uh, says, I can't believe the Oilers once again gave away another star player in Eberle for an average player in Strom. I'm not impressed with this guy. He's no scoring threat. When will the Oilers learn to hold out longer for a better quality player in their trades? I thought Shirelli was better at this trade game. Uh, He might be an overrated GM in my opinion. Well, I think we just talked about Strom. I mean, Randy... Settle down with the trade stuff. I mean, seriously. I, I mean, again, you can be critical, you can question, but just remember, Peter Shirelli did not turn down better, better players. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't offered Drew Doughty for Taylor Hall and took Adam Larson instead. And, and remember, too, with the Everly trade, and Shirelli said this, because I asked the question in Chicago when he did a scrum after the trade, money was a large part of that. Six mm-hmm. and a half, six million dollars to Eberle, uh, two and a half to Strom, and who's who's an RFA this season. So unless he knocks it out of the park, he's not going to be getting six in his next contract. You hope that it's he plays well enough that you know it's, it's going to be it's going to be a debate though. Well, and I mean Jordan had had an off year, and he's he's coming off an off year with a big contract. There's only so many teams that are going to be able to a afford him. And B, have a player that the Oilers want coming back. So it, it, the Oilers were not in a position of, uh, of strength in that trade. Everyone in, the, everyone in the league knew that Jordan Everly was going to be moved because of his contract. So but it, you know what's going to happen now, Rob? Mm-hmm. You, you know what's going to happen all year long. There's going to be last, last, yeah. year, last year, all we heard on the text line and from the callers was from the people who hated Jordan Everly. Yeah. This year, all we're going to hear from is the people who like Jordan Eberle because that's that's the way people are, right? It's true. So, I mean, that's that's fine. We know it's going to be like that. Yeah, yeah I mean, for I'm hoping to hope Jordan has success in Long Island. Oh, I hope so Strom has I'm not, I'm great not, success no, here. No, I know. That, yeah. So I hope they both have success, and 
and we'll go from there. But it was a deal that Peter Shirelli had to make, and we're hoping that Strom finds his game here in, in, in Edmonton, and he's going to get a number of great opportunities to do that. All right, 3-2 Vancouver wins it. Uh, uh, another disappointing night for the Eskimos as well. They lose 28-19 to Winnipeg. Again, a uh, story going on tonight near Commonwealth Stadium. An Edmonton police officer stabbed. Uh, apparently in stable condition, suspect on the loose. This happened near 92nd Street and 107A Avenue. So uh, expect delays if you are in that area. And obviously, uh, respect the investigation that is going on. All right, let's go back to Vancouver. And here is Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. Todd, for a final tune-up uh, before the regular season, just what you make your team's performance tonight? Well, we're disappointed we lost. Um, I liked our start. I thought we had a lot of energy and, and created uh, a fair number of chances, didn't give up much. Um, go into the the first intermission, we come out in the first six minutes. I think we've got to kill four of them. That changes the momentum. Uh, we finally go on the power play score, and we give it right back to them. So that was a gift. And, um, you know, after that, it became pretty tight checking. There wasn't a lot of space out there, and uh, we weren't able to get the last one. So... Um, you know, we'll put uh, the whole exhibition season behind us now. We've got to get home now and uh, get prepared for uh, for Calgary. Uh, I think the competition level is going to go up even more, and um, we're going to have to take our game up a little bit more. Do you think you at least got your lines, your four lines figured out now? Uh, well, I'd like to think we do, but, um, you know, again, we had some guys that will play on our team that didn't play tonight. Cassie. Cassian, Packer, and those type of guys are going to be around, and they uh, they weren't playing tonight. So, um, you know, we've got to tinker a little bit with things. Um, I'd like to see us get more production five on five out of uh, out of some other lines, Nugent, Hopkins, uh, Strom's line, and and certainly Latestu's line. It can't just be Connor and Leon all the time. Um, uh, I thought Patty Maroon had numerous chances tonight, and he didn't have enough polish to finish. And, He's got to get that going as well. How tough is it? You wanted to play Slepeshev so you could at least see if he's ready to put Yeah, that's, you know, those are those are things out of our control. Uh, his original injury, uh, the fact that he gets sick on the day he's supposed to come back and play, uh, they're completely out of our control and, and his control, really. Uh, the unfortunate thing is he doesn't get anything in, in the exhibition season, so... We've got to look at a way to, to get him a couple games so that he can get uh, back up and running when he when he is feeling better. Could he go to Bakersfield and least play a couple of games? Well, anything's on the table. Um, we'll have to. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if he does or not, but that's uh, you know anything's on the table. We've just got to get him going because I think he can be a valuable piece. Defensively, back in. Well, we didn't. You know, we gave up 10 even-strength shots uh, tonight, and a few of them were off face-offs that we lost. Um, to me, uh, structurally, we weren't too poor. It was the the glorious gifts that we gave the other team. You know, we made... Uh, Graves had a shot blocked, had to take a penalty. Uh, Benning had the turnover, and it's in our net. Um, those are mistakes that are easily avoidable, and that makes us even better defensively. So uh, we'll learn from it. Yamamoto, right? Um, creative, uh, getting tougher for him, obviously. Uh, but we expected that uh, from the league, and I think he expected from the league. But uh, I thought he made some good plays and uh, didn't do anything to hurt his chances. Uh, I thought for a guy who wasn't supposed to be in the lineup and and uh, got called after having a pretty good workout this morning, uh, not thinking he was playing, he responded with a pretty good game. 
All right, so that's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. They lose 3-2 in Vancouver tonight, finish the preseason with a 6-2 and record. And, yeah, that's a good point because I, I was at the morning skate and I was at, working at the rink after, so I saw the guys who were out 30, at least 30 minutes after the guys playing tonight had already left, and Puga Yarvi was, was one of them because the guys who aren't playing will supposed to stay and skate a little bit extra. So he got into the lineup tonight. couple things there. First of all, he mentioned the, the glorious gifts, Rob, and we thought that too. The Oilers made some good... Like, if you probably listed the, the five best plays in the game, four of them would be Oilers plays. If you listed the five worst plays in the game, probably four of those would be by the Oilers as well, and ultimately they, they cost them. Yeah, they did, and... When you play a team like Vancouver, Vancouver's not going to create a whole lot on their own. It's a team that's, they're starting their rebuild. It's it's not a team that many have expected to be outside the, you know, the bottom five in the league. So you if you gift them, you keep them in a game. If you make them have to earn everything they get, well, you're going to win most nights against them because they're just not going to be able to, to create from their own zone all the way down. But the Oilers made some big mistakes. And as Todd said, I mean, those are correctable. Or Mark Benning, or Mark, Matt, Matthew Benning's going to learn from that. You don't go through the middle of the ice blindly. Nurse is going to learn. You got to have better body positioning when you're being forechecked. Gravy's going to learn. First of all, don't go behind the net anticipating a pass. Be in front of the net where you're supposed to be, and then go if the pass gets to where you need to. And when you got putting pucks on net, you got to make sure you get them. If there's a guy in the lane, shoot wide. Put it back in the corner. Uh, when you are s- slow afoot, and you're, it's going to be a race. If you get a puck blocked, you can't have it blocked. So there, there were mistakes that were made, and the, the Vancouver Canucks are going to be very opportunistic this year, and they were tonight. On the other hand, the others, other than those big mistakes, as Todd talked about, they, they played pretty sound. They, they controlled the play. They were the better team for most of the night. They just, A, didn't capitalize on their chances, and B, they gave glorious opportunities back to the Canucks. And he was asked about Yamamoto, who he said uh, creative at times, especially in the third period. I mean, you see how he is able to make plays with the puck. We think he's going to be here to start the year. I still don't think he'll be the entire year once maybe you get a healthy Slepeshev or Puglia-Yarvi going in the minors. Um, but, uh, again, didn't look out of place as a, as a young guy. No, and I, I think that you sometimes get excited when someone has you know, he's got five goals in his first three games, everything's coming easy, you expect it to happen every night, but... As we see in the in the National Hockey League, when you start playing against the big boys, the best players don't score every night. The best players don't have five, six chances a night. What he does is he, he, he brings excitement when he's on the ice. He, he sees the game well. He moves the puck well. Tonight when he... When they got things going a little bit more in the third period, he was he was out there creating. What they like about him is, is his compete, his smarts, and the fact that in his own end, he is not a liability. And I agree with Todd. I don't think he knocked lights out tonight, but I, he didn't hurt his chances because he was very sound at the other assets of the game. So 3-2 Vancouver winning tonight. Dry cycle both goals for Edmonton as we check your Advantage Trailer Rentals scoreboard. The Eskimos lose 28-19 to Winnipeg. They were playing catch-up all night long, had the ball in their own end with two and a half minutes to go down two, and Riley was intercepted. It was returned for a touchdown to ice it for the Bombers. Eskimos are now 7-6. and six. They've lost six straight. They fall to fourth in the West. They have the same record as Saskatchewan, but Saskatchewan has the tiebreaker because of the head-to-head win over the Eskimos earlier this season. The uh, Not a good night for Edmonton teams. The Oil Kings lose 4-1 
in Lethbridge. Oilers prospect Stuart Skinner, the winning goaltender for the Hurricanes. He makes 19 saves, bouncing back from letting in seven last night as the Oil Kings won the first half of the home-and-home 7-6. Other NHL preseason action. Here's a beauty. Scoreless in overtime between the Ducks and the Kings. <laughs> well, <laughs> what a way to close up. Yes. The, <laughs> all right. Well, I guess the coaches will be happy. It was, it was, the structure was good The structure good was there. Blue Jackets shut out the Penguins 3-0. It is the Coyotes beating the Sharks 4-0. In a shootout, the Flames knock off the Jets 3-2. Chicago over Boston, one zip. A lot of it, shutouts tonight. In overtime, Lightning over the Predators 3-2. Wild beat the Stars 5-1. In a shootout, Detroit 3, Toronto 2, and Montreal, who have had a tough preseason overall, ringing up the Ottawa Senators 9-2. Yeah, they, there was panic in Montreal. <laughs> Apparently there'll be, there'll be celebrations tonight. Well, I, I, and I, was, I heard uh, George Larac on with, uh, with Stauffer a couple days ago. Who saves because they were playing Toronto? It was dressing kind of the Marlies lineup, and the worry going into the game was, well, how do we possibly evaluate the Canadians playing such a weak lineup? And then they lost. So, well, then, so then the worry was, yeah. oh no, they lost to the Marlies. Now we evaluate; they're not very good. I, actually, I don't know if uh, the Canadians they got off to such a great start last year, then they were just okay the rest of the season. I mean, they're a team that is built around one player. They, they got an incredible goaltender. When he's on his game, they can beat anyone in the National Hockey League. But he's got to be on his game each and every night. All right, 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. This texter says, I would love to see Nurse play with a better partner, a Larson-type guy. Griba is not helping. Well, I mean, obviously anybody that plays with someone better is going to help. It's, I mean... It's a forward. If you play, if you're an okay player and you play with a superstar, you're going to do better than if you play with a fourth liner. Um, the problem is, I, I Nurse is not as good as Clefbaum, and Clefbaum and Larson play together and they play against the other team's top players. And Nurse hasn't proved that he can play there yet. Uh, I think that when the Oilers are at full health. You'll have Nurse and Benning will be partners, and I thought they played well together last year. I think they read off each other very well. Uh, they, it's can't moving Nurse up in the lineup. He's probably playing with Benning because it won't be Larson or Clefbaum, and Benning can't Benning can't move down and play with Griba because you got two righties playing together. So it's either Nurse and Benning or Nurse and Griba, and Nurse and Griba are your fourth, your third pairing defensive pair. Yeah, I mean, I, I would think they want to leave Clefbaum and Larson together because they're going to play. A lot together, Clefbaum, yeah. and especially with Secker out, is going to be your best offensive threat from the from the back mm-hmm. end. So you'll probably pair him with Larson. But look, I mean, you're talking about the six seven defenseman driver, right? You get what you get. He kills penalties. He's big. He can be physical enough. His movement is okay. True, but I mean, the the goal against tonight that was, it was on Nurse. That wasn't on Grabe. It was on Nurse losing the battle in the corner. So he lost the battle. The puck comes out in front. Now Grabe didn't help, and he went behind the net. But, I mean, Nurse has got to make a better play on that one, and he will. He's, uh, Nurse, he's still learning the game. And he is right now what he is. He's a third-pairing defenseman that's got some upside, and hopefully he'll, he'll eventually realize that upside. All right, so the Oilers fall 3-2 in Vancouver. Their final preseason record is 6-2. We'll have more post-game reaction as we move along. We'll also have more time for your comments. You can call 780-496-0063. We'll have some post-game reaction from Commonwealth Stadium as well, where the Eskimos have lost their sixth in a row. 
on the heels of a seven-game winning streak. Pretty dramatic swings here for the Eskimos this season. 28-19, the Bombers take it tonight. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auction Broadcast. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. The Oilers closed the preseason with a 3-2 loss in Vancouver against the Canucks. Dreisaitl scored both for Edmonton. Vertanen, Granlin, and Erickson had the goals for Vancouver. The Edmonton Eskimos lose their sixth in a row, 28-19 to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I was watching both games. <laughs> you were. Uh, we'll hear from Jason Moss later on as well. It was... Uh, the Eskimos offense did not do much in the first half, and the game was there for the taking. Justin Medlock, who's a great kicker, missed three field goals. One of them did go for a single. It was scoreless for the longest time. Then it was one nothing, And then uh, Winnipeg got a touchdown in the last 30 seconds of the first half. And then the Eskimos were playing catch-up, playing catch-up, uh, made some plays to pull back in it. They're down 21-19 with two and a half minutes left. Riley's intercepted, and it's returned for a touchdown. And I, Rob, it was just one of those games where I felt like the Blue Bombers are doing everything in their power to allow the Eskimos to take control of this game, and the Eskimos never did. And that's concerning because it's happening too much with that team. Well, I guess so, six straight. Um... I mean, the, the one good thing about the CFL, if you're in the Western Conference, you're making the playoffs no matter what. Because Well, not if you finish last. And the Eskimos could finish last. If you finish, you can't cross over? Only one team crosses over. Only the fourth place oh, team crosses over. If you right. finish last and they're, they're one win ahead of BC, now they do have the season series against BC. So if they finish tied with BC, they would get fourth. Huh. I guess. And, you... But they play the Lions again. Well, then it's getting interesting. It is, it is getting very interesting. I don't yeah. think six weeks ago you thought it was going to be this interesting, did you? No. Well, you, well, you knew they were going to lose eventually. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, here's the thing. Like, there are – it was almost a little like the Oilers game tonight, though the, the stakes were a lot a lot different. Like, there are, pl- there are times when the Eskimos could take control of the game, and they used to be the team that would make the plays needed to take control. And now they're not. They're either making a mistake or coming up short or turning the ball over or take, you know taking a penalty or the other team makes a great play. I mean, that Adams guy for Winnipeg made a one-handed catch and got one foot down in bounds for a touchdown. Outstanding play. And then his team wins basically, basically by a touchdown. So yeah. anyway, we'll hear from Jason Moss uh, later on. 780-496-0063. We'll get to Jared right away. We got a texter who says, is Nuge overpaid for what he does? That's a great question. And I can reference something Peter Shirelli said in one of his TV interviews in, in Penticton, where Shirelli said, Nuge is an important player on the team. The point total, especially from last year, doesn't match the salary. Um, but he, but you know, he praised what Nugent Hopkins brings. Todd McClellan has said, you know, you need a little more offensive assertion from Nugent Hopkins. You need a little more of that burst, or I'm going to go out there and make a play. And even Nugent Hopkins said it himself. He's been so focused on being better, checking better in his own end. He often doesn't take a risk. And I think maybe he's he's talked himself into situations being risky when really, really they aren't. So sure, the, the 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 salary absolutely you can bring up regardless of his salary. If he's going to be the second that slash third line center on the team, and the team's going to be good, 
uh, he, he's going to have to have a little more offensive burst to his game. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you look at it more from his position of where he plays on the team as opposed to what he makes. And the Oilers would love to have him as their second-line center. They wanted him to do that last year. They wanted him to be the second-line center. He just hasn't produced enough offensively. And he's got to make players better around him as well. When you're a second-line center, and you, you got to make your wingers better. And RNH did not have a good season last year, and they need more out of him. And it's got to be in the offensive zone. He... It's it's you look at who he plays with. He's always in a, in a top six role, and he also plays power play, and he runs the power play. It goes through him, so they need more production out of him. The salary just compounds the problem because now, I mean, he's taking a big chunk out of your salary cap, and to be a forty-five point player, he needs to be a fifty-five, sixty-point player, and that's what they're going to be shooting for this year with him. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Jared is on the line. Jared, good to hear from you. Yeah, um, actually, last Saturday was the first Oilers game I've been to at Rogers' place. And uh, it allowed me to kind of key on some players, which you can't do when you're watching on TV. So I was keyed on quite a bit of Jesse Pugliarvi and Darnell Nurse. And as I watched him through the game, uh, especially Jesse Pugliarvi, I kind of realized that he doesn't have that real slickness in tight with the puck, or he doesn't have extreme quickness. And even when he was playing with... Um, Connor McDavid in the third period, several of the passes he got from McDavid, he seemed to have trouble handling them. And as he played more and more into the third, he seemed to get better and better. And this is the same with Darnell Nurse. I think both of those players, because of their size, and they're both very good skaters, I think they have to play a lot. And I think that if Yessi Pugliarvi is merely going to be playing on the fourth line or on the third line, or Darnell is going to be a third-pairing defenseman, I don't think they're going to develop. It's like a, like a big diesel truck. Once they get up and running, they have to stay running. And if they're just going to play, if yes, he's just going to play the odd shift, I think he's going to be a disappointment. But I do think that if he gets a lot of ice time, and I, I realize it has to be earned, I think he can develop. But otherwise, I think both of them will disappoint. And, and they're going to have to look at what type of player are these guys going to be because I do think they both can be uh, dominant at some level, but for guys of that size and their athleticism, I think they have to get a lot of ice time. Well, I, I think more with Pugliarvi than with Nurse when it comes to ice time. I think Pugliarvi, if, if you're a skilled player, you got to play with other skilled players. Pugliarvi's not going to make a fourth line, an offensive line, just because he's there. He needs, he needs to play with good hockey players. And if he's playing as a third-line checker or as a fourth-line role player, then you, then you send him to the minors and let him get better down there so when he comes up and he's ready and gets the opportunity as a top-six player, that he's there. I think, and I, it's funny, you, you talked about the, the passes. I, I remember the game that he's playing with Connor, and there's like five times during the first 40 minutes where the play died on, on Yessi's stick because he couldn't accept the pass well. He would hit a stick and explode. And when you're playing with one of the best players, you, you you can't have that happen because this is where the offense is coming from for the Oilers through Connor McDavid. And if you're the play's dying with you, you're not going to play with him. As for Darnell Nurse, I mean, he, he's he's still a what was it 17 minutes a night, 16 minutes a night as a, a player as a third pairing defenseman. He's that's that might be what he is, and for for another year, eventually, you know, Chris Russell, maybe he moves into a top four as Chris gets older. I don't know, but right now, I think Darnell Nurse is where he belongs on this team, and through injury, through players maybe 
struggling, he'll get more ice time. And when he does, he's got to take advantage of the opportunity. But defensemen, they, they take longer. They, they do. And Darnell Nurse is still learning the game. And I think he's a much better defenseman uh, today than he was two, three years ago. We just everyone was expecting more, and it's just not there yet. But do you, do you think with Jesse Pugliarvi, the fact that he was ranked third overall, but even though he's picked fourth, do you think that possibly he still got that in his head that now he's he has to be competing for a job, and now there's a five foot seven, hundred and forty pound forward that's beating him out, and that maybe it's something more upstairs that he feels that he has to perform almost like Yakupov in a sense where he's putting too much pressure on himself? Well, I'm sure. As a player, I I remember coming to camps and you would have an expectation of where you thought you would be. Then all of a sudden somebody comes in that you didn't expect and he's playing better than you. And you notice it right away. And all of a sudden you're going home and people don't realize so these young kids that come here for training camps they're at the rink. When they leave the rink they're back in a hotel room for hours and hours and hours and now you're just thinking okay where do i sit what did i do in practice how was i okay how did he play oh he's playing better than me then i read the paper and no everyone's talking about yamamoto and it's all on the radio and it's all on the tv and all of us okay i got to be better and now you start getting outside your comfort zone in the games you start pushing doing things that you normally wouldn't because i got to impress so yeah i think there probably is some of it yamamoto's come in here has played very well and a puliarvi who probably was expecting to be a top six forward. That's what everyone thought he would be. He's not there now, so now he's adding more pressure, and it affects your game. Jared, good to hear from you, buddy. Talk to you soon, okay? gentlemen. Yeah, that's Jared, 780-496-0063. Oilers lose 3-2 in Vancouver. We'll go back to Rogers Arena. Oilers winger Milan Lucic. Just for a final tune-up before you guys get the season going, Milan, just what you make of the performance tonight? Yeah, not, not a bad game. Uh, not a not a great game either. So, uh, but you look at it as a whole. Uh, we go six and two in the in the preseason here. Uh, you know, I think there's still things that we need to sharpen up before Wednesday starts. And I know we'll have uh, two good days of practice uh, uh, to make sure that uh, there's no, uh, you know, hiccups or anything uh, going into opening night. As a whole, in terms of level of preparedness, what do you feel you guys are at? I know guys have been saying that there's a lot of work to do still. But... Yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot of work to do. I think uh, uh, our focus just needs to be on one game at a time, and I know we're all uh, all summer long. Guys have been excited to get it going again, and, and here we are. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, obviously big expectations for our team. It's, it's uh, you know... Uh, still a fairly young group, but uh, we went through a lot last year, and we knew how hard it was to get to where we got to. And uh, you know, so I think we're we're ready for uh, for this season to begin. Well, you have a six and two record in preseason. What's the message been like from Todd and the coaching staff throughout training camp? Just just come prepare to work. Uh, you know, nothing's nothing's given to you in this league just because you have high expectations and and Vegas odds are are good. Uh, you know that doesn't mean anything. You still got to come in and and put in the work and put in the time to to, to get the result that you want. So uh, uh, that's been the message since day one. All right, Milan Lucic, Oilers lose three two in Vancouver. It is uh, a, a not a great night in our city, and I'm not talking about sports stuff at all. Uh, an EPS officer stabbed today near Commonwealth Stadium, 92nd Street, 107A Avenue, and. Just following stuff on Twitter, 
apparently somewhere near uh, Jasper Avenue, 109th Street, um, there are some sort of reports of injuries. I don't want to get into too much because this is on uh, Twitter, but uh, some bad stuff's going on in the city tonight. You may want to just uh, stay indoors or be cautious if you are out driving. It's 1147, Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Live from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. This is the Canadian Brew House Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio, 630 chat. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Uh, given the, the, the magnitude of some other things uh, happening in the city tonight, th- this is going to include more news th- than usual, so I, I hope everybody understands that. And again, I'm following a lot of this on Twitter. If you are now, I'm not, if, if, do not go closer to this situation to witness it, but if you have happened to see something, you can call our newsroom at 780-466-NEWS. That's 780-466-6397. Uh, just seeing some of my uh, colleagues in, in the local media that Edmonton police have asked people to stay off the streets in downtown Edmonton, and apparently 108th, and 109th, between 108 and 109 on Jasper, has actually been blocked off. And um, I, I guess, Rob, I'm reluctant to give a lot of details because you see different things on Twitter, but it appears there was some sort of a, a dangerous incident involving a vehicle uh, downtown. So, uh, And this is on top of uh, an EPS member being stabbed near Commonwealth Stadium this evening. So this is a, a strange night. Obviously, there are some dangerous things, unfortunately, happening in our, in our community. So be safe, and certainly specifically in those areas, uh, I, I think you'd, you'd be smart to avoid them and stay indoors if you live there. So that's where we're at with that. Rob Brown, Reed Wilkins, uh, Oilers lose 3-2 to Vancouver. The Eskimos lose 28-19 on home turf to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So the Oilers are off tomorrow back at practice. They'll have to declare a roster uh, sometime on Tuesday. Rob, I mean, I would think, uh, I, I think Puliyarvi's going to the AHL. I think Fane's going to the AHL. I think Yamamoto's going to get a bit of a look. I don't know if he's here all year, but I think he, he gets a bit of a look. Yeah, he's going to have an opportunity to, to make his case to stay here all year. The others are going to go with what's the easiest right now. Pugliarvi wasn't expected to be in their lineup. He is capable of going down and not having to clear waivers. Mark Fain is not someone that they have wanted in their lineup for the last year and a bit, so he's a, the easy bet to go down as well. And I just don't think they're going to offer a contract to Kelly. I think Kelly's played well. I think he's done everything they'd wanted him to do. But the Oilers are a better team now, and they just don't have that space for him right now up here with, with the Oilers to start the season. So I think the lineup that you saw tonight, you take out Pugliarvi, you put in Cassian, and I believe, personally, that that'll be the lineup that you see Wednesday night against the Calgary Flames. All right, we'll have that one for you on 6.30, Chet. Special two-hour face-off show starting at 6. The game will start at 8. The Eskimos fall tonight, 28-19 to the Bombers. Let's get some reaction from head coach Jason Moss. 
down, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Or too early to assess exactly where they cause us a lot of problems. I mean, uh, first half, you can start there. I mean, we didn't do enough to stay on the field offensively. I thought defensively battled the, the whole the whole half. Um, you know, we were fortunate. Medlock had an off night and his standards and kept us in the game in the first half. Uh, but we just didn't stay on the field long enough in the first half moving the ball offensively. Um, they, I credit them. They did a good job. Um, you know, second half, I thought we turned the tide and, and, you know, take away that big play at the end and, you know, felt like we were going to go right back down this field and score and, and win the game. So, um, you know, disappointing, disappointing loss as a team. The interception there, what did you see on that play? Um, you know, Mike has um, some givens he can take, and obviously he thought the guy was off enough into the boundary with enough cushion to, to make that throw. I thought defense back did a great job jumping it and, and, and taking it to the house. Um, you know, the other side looked like it was, you know, probably a guy open, but, uh, you know, I trust Mike when he makes a read to, to make the throw, and um, obviously it didn't happen. Overall, the offense seemed to pick it up there in the, in the second half. Uh, did you like what you've seen overall for the most part? Uh, not in the first half. I didn't think there was enough production for us staying on the field. I mean, we, we had a few good plays in a, in a row and then stall. And, uh, you know, didn't, that wasn't good enough. And then second half, yeah, I, I thought the, the offense came alive. I thought the defense uh, still stood strong when they needed to, uh, special teams as well. We just offensively just ran out of gas. And, you know, one big turnover down here, you know, changes the whole complexion of the game and obviously becomes what it was. Jason Howe. The loss is piling up. What do, you, what do you say to these guys in the locker room? What I said was this. I asked them to play playoff atmosphere. Think of playoff atmosphere. That means every single play, every single day, focus. And I said, you're fortunate. You're fortunate this wasn't a playoff game. Otherwise, we'd be doing what? Packing our bags and going home. I asked them, do they want to pack their bags and go home? I doubted that was going to be the case. So I said, we're fortunate. We're lucky. We're still in the playoff hunt. <laughs> we got to figure things out. We're, we're not good enough right now to win ball games. So we got to get back to work. And that work starts Monday. And uh, that's the fortunate thing about playing playoff football, which I thought this was basically an atmosphere of playoff football tonight. You saw a lot of things that are like playoff games. Um, the only reality was, and I told them basically at the beginning of the week, the reality will be that you won't go home after it. But, you know, that's the lucky part for us is we get five more weeks of this. And, uh, but we're going to take it one at a time. All right, that's head coach Jason Moss. Eskimos lose 28-19 to Winnipeg. They are in a bit of a free fall. They've lost six in a row. The Oilers close out the preseason, losing 3-2 in Vancouver. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer this evening. Canadian Brewhouse overtime open line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. We're coming up to the midnight news and uh, apparently separate incidents in Edmonton tonight. An EPS member stabbed 92nd Street and 107A Avenue, and another incident uh, sounding like near the Pint downtown, 109th and Jasper, a heavy police presence there. We will keep you updated on our newscast throughout the evening. All right, so our next Oilers broadcast Wednesday. It counts in the standing, 6 o'clock face-off show, 8 o'clock for the puck drop. They take on the Calgary Flames. On behalf of Rob Brown, my name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening. Have a great night. So you went out drinking and you did the right thing. You left the car at home. Thank you. But did you know that if you drank a lot and stayed up late, you could still have alcohol in your system the next day and could register a warn, even a fail on a roadside screening device? It can take up to 12 hours or more from the time of your last drink for your BAC to reach zero. And only time, not sleep, coffee, or a shower sobers you up any faster. A message from Arrival Live Drive Sober and changethe conversation.ca.